Well, it is not every day that a Supreme Court justice resigns in this country from the bridge, uh, this bench. But uh, Justice Russell Brown did, in fact, resign Monday, citing the strain of an investigation into an event late January in uh, when he was at, I guess, a conference in Arizona where it's alleged there was some kind of drunken confrontation with some uh, women and then a man at a bar got involved and it just turned ugly. And so the resignation of Justice Russell Brown brings to an end uh, his career. Um, and he had 18, almost 18 years remaining on the bench. And he was appointed by Stephen Harper back in 2015. But what this means are a number of things. So you might be saying, I, I don't really care. Um, there are a number of decisions he would have been involved in when this incident occurred, which he says he would have been cleared of. Uh, but also, who replaces him? We've got a nine-seat panel. There's another spot. So we've got a vacancy that Trudeau will have to appoint another, and I assume it'll be a young progressive judge. And this does skew the bench further to the left. And so anyone questioning kind of some of the decisions we have been you know, seeing coming out of the top court, saying, why are they just so progressive and activist appearing? Well, it matters who gets appointed to the bench. Let me bring in Peter McKay. Once upon a time, Canada's former Minister of Justice and Attorney General, also Minister of National Defense and Foreign Affairs. Now he's just a lawyer. Just a lawyer, Mr. McKay, just a lawyer. <laughs> That's okay. Go. I'll uh, I'll go with that. Lawyer and <laughs> dad. Busy. I'm, I'm working yeah. at both still. Yeah. Um, let me talk a little bit about your reaction to the resignation. And, and and I mean, I think daily lives of people, they're like, uh-huh, yeah, don't care. But what was your reaction to, to kind of the, um, the the issue itself of stepping down? Well, Alex, your, your description of it uh, off the top was spot on. And, and my reaction was disappointment, um, knowing that... Uh, this will result in the replacement of Justice Brown, who, in my estimation, in spite of all of this controversy swirling around, was a good judge and doing a good job and giving sensible decisions. I think if you look at the last uh, seven, eight years of his time as a judge, uh, he was giving very good decisions out of the high court. This will inevitably result in um, the appointment by Justin Trudeau, the Prime Minister, of somebody who is further to the left, um, and uh, we have seen, as you described it, activist-type decisions mm -hmm. coming out of late that struck down what I consider to be sensible public protection-type mm -hmm. laws. Um, things like mandatory minimum penalties, things that mm -hmm. were intended to protect the public from gun crimes. Um, the, the Jordan decision is another one that mm -hmm. has very mm -hmm. much impacted on our ability to move cases through the courts uh, on pain of having them thrown out without being yeah. adjudicated. Cases that sometimes involve manslaughter, murder, sexual assault. So it's, uh, it's a problem, and it, it's, it's been happening over time. This has been incremental, as you know. The advent of the Charter very much empowered judges to strike down legislation that is put in place by elected, democratically elected people. And this isn't a slight on the court, it's just a reality that there is a line, in my opinion, that is mm -hmm. too often crossed. Yeah. Uh, well, look, we've we've moved in such a direction of restorative justice, um, you know, this kind of everyone's got to have a second chance. But, you know, we do have the Charter, um, and, and so we have protections already in place, and so that's why I think a lot of Canadians say, 
Why are the scales of justice now tipping so uh, far? But there are other consequential decisions. You know, there's decisions like uh, the expansion of MAID, um, or as we're talking about maximum security, like with uh, Paul Bernardo, um, those kinds of things. That all goes, generally speaking, uh, I mean, the maid, certainly the expansion of MAIDs in the, in the upper courts. We need guardrails on it. My concern would be that they're not going to put any. Uh, so, so these decisions very much do impact uh, our daily life and, and what this country inevitably is going to look like. You're absolutely right. And, and in many cases, as I said, it, it overrides decisions that are taken by elected members of parliament. And, um, you know, people can criticize, and they, they do, rightly so, mm-hmm. as do the media. But there is a check and a balance, and that is called an election, where, you, you know, you essentially have to reapply for your job. Uh, a Supreme Court judge does not. Their appointment is until age 75. They uh, very often, and I'm not saying they do it previously, they, they clearly have their, their own set of beliefs, and judges put on their pants one leg at a time, just like everybody else. Um, they inevitably are drawn from the core of judges that we have across the country. Um, it's very rare for somebody to come right out of practice to the Supreme Court of Canada. Justice Sapinka is one. There are very few cases where that has happened. But the point being, just as you've outlined, there is a day-to-day consequence on the criminal justice system when an opening like this appears unexpectedly, uh, just as there are consequences for not having enough judges. And and that's another issue that is so serious, especially in Ontario, where these vacancies contribute to miscarriages of justice, in my opinion, when cases are not heard. It's very true. I mean, uh, for all the the freaking out over who Donald Trump appointed to the Supreme Court, I'm like, dude, does anyone care who gets appointed here? Because it's never even issued. I'm like, you you should probably pay attention to what goes on here. But to your point, I mean, Ontario's got the highest number of vacancies for judges. Uh, I'm not sure what is taking the Trudeau government so long to do this, but it is having huge ramifications. We just had a a case uh, of a father accused uh, of of violating sexually, uh, physically, mentally his, his young daughter who finally came out to get help, and that case may get thrown out. And this is happening all the time because of the upper court's uh, decision that quick cases have to get into a court before 18 months. And so, you know, the longer they wait, um, and we can fix all the bail reforms we want, uh, Peter, you well know, but until we, you know, unless we get this fixed with the delays, we're not fixing anything. Well, that's right. And, you know, not to draw too long a bow on this, but, you know, when the prime minister wants to appoint someone like, say, I don't know, a special rapporteur <laughs> is involved in covering his tracks. That seems to happen within hours. Uh, judges, not so much. And look, I'm not suggesting, having been there myself, that this is uh, an easy or a task that should be taken lightly. You, you have to do a lot of backgrounds. You have to make sure mm-hmm. that you are getting a person who's qualified, who, who really is going to serve the country well. Most of the applicants that I've ever seen, and I've seen hundreds, Mm-hmm. Uh, are eminently qualified, uh, and yet it is it is probably one of the more important decisions a government and a prime minister and certainly a minister of justice will ever make in their entire career. But you need to do it in a timely fashion. You need to get sure. people there who are going to be able to adjudicate over those cases and, and stop the backlog, because the whole justice system grinds to a halt, Alex, as you know. Mm-hmm. The work of the police, the prosecutors, the victim services... Uh, those who, who toil away daily in the courts um, really need 
to have mm-hmm. the system of justice administered by the judges. And, and if I might, there's one other issue that very seldom gets even mentioned, let alone brought into the discussion, and that is the Victims' Bill of Rights. We always okay, talk well. about the Charter, which is there, of course, to, to protect the rights of the accused and to, to see that miscarriages of justice don't occur. But victims, of course, need to be central to this entire process, which is why... I think at this point, Peter, they would just like to be a part of it. They don't even need to be central. Just make us a part of it. I mean, it's it, it, Paul Lieber, I hope he runs on this because it's so out of balance. And I, I, you do raise a very good question. Um, I mean, Jody Wilson-Raybould, may, may, maybe she's available. I don't think she's going to get appointed to it or the... Uh, inquiry that should come soon. I wanted to get your thoughts, though, on Bernardo, because we've got this review that's now underway, and I, I don't understand, I mean, I do understand, the minister himself could, could reverse this, and yet we're going through this charade again with, with the review uh, to it see who made charade. the decision. It's always about yeah. delay. It's always about kicking the ball down the field and uh, trying to make the public forget, I think, part of the, the intent here. But, yeah, that's an appalling decision. And to think that that would happen by a nameless, faceless person within the parole board and, and not even give the minister a heads up, as he said, I find that a hard thing to believe. However, mm-hmm. let's take him at his word. Yes, have this reversed. We don't need we don't need to inquire. We don't need to have any kind of uh, discussion about this. This guy is as bad an individual as we've ever seen in the justice system. He's a Clifford Olson. He's a mass mm-hmm. murderer who sexually abused and tortured young girls. This guy should never see the light of day, period, full stop, the end. Well, right, uh, but here we are in yet the latest uh, uh, delay on this, and um, and so I guess we just wait and, and see uh, and go through the charade yet again of what could have been reversed, um, and I'm not sure. By the way, the corrections, the head of corrections, would they not have been notified? Would Kelly not have been notified of a, of a significant transfer like this? It's hard to think that she wouldn't, and if she's not, then we got bigger problems than I think we uh, realize. Well, well, that's exactly right. I couldn't have said it any better. But, you know, what it does, of course, is just shakes people's confidence in the system itself, uh, as does... Mm-hmm. So much of this, when it plays out in a courtroom, when these decisions are taken seemingly in isolation and the public are just turned off, it makes Mm -hmm. people not want to report crime, not want to serve on a jury, not want to participate in what is critically important for the protection of society. Totally agree. All righty. We'll keep an eye on this. Always appreciate your time. I know you are busier than, uh, than I suggest. Thanks, Peter. No trouble. Take care, Alex. I know. That is Peter. Peter McKay joining us. I should probably ask him, can I call you Peter or do I still call you Mr. McKay? Um, but I think I'm older than him, so I'll, I'll call him Peter <laughs> until he tells me not to.